this is Tara Tessimo and Kaylee Bogdan with our Through the Clutter podcast. Uh, hi, Kaylee. Hi. And we are joined today by Chris Keating. He is Winsight's Group President of Food Service Media and Events. Thank you for joining us, Chris. So happy to be here. I wasn't busy, so I'm just, you know, home. <laughs> Aren't we all nowadays? So we are here today to, to talk a little bit about how different everything is we're more cluttered than ever right now, right? And and that was the theme of our podcast before, but now it feels even more true. There's just news bombarding us every day, especially for the food service industry. Um, and so we wanted to talk a little bit about how this crisis, this pandemic that we're in the middle of, changes the way we should talk to operators, the way messaging should come out for the food service industry and the retail industry for that matter. And what is the smartest, most sensitive and tactful and graceful way to be a marketer in, in the middle of a crisis? Um, so maybe we start, Chris, by having you talk a little bit about what our industry is experiencing right now, because it's certainly unprecedented and there's a lot to absorb. So maybe you give us a little bit of context about what, what they're seeing and feeling um, in the middle of all of this. Well, you said earlier, things are moving so fast and they're moving so fast that I feel like anytime I speak, it could be different than what it was an hour or two or, or certainly since yesterday. But, you know, it's obviously very much in the news and even people outside our industry are aware that we're going through this unprecedented shutdown of restaurants massive shift to delivery, which we'd already seen, but now it's the only way, you know, off-premise is now the only path for almost all restaurants and, and, you know, restaurant business magazine, we were just reporting, I think yesterday that even a lot of the folks who tried that, um, are backing off it. And, and it's, it's, it's a, an extraordinary, there's really no way to sugarcoat that it's a, an absolutely devastating time for the industry. Um, but if you look at what operators are doing on a daily business now, I, 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 I often come back to first principles. You know, one of the things I like to say about the restaurant industry is, is as much as it's changed in the last 10 or 20 years, in some ways it hasn't changed for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, if you think about a medieval tavern or even uh, there were these type of QSRs in ancient Rome, the basic idea of going to a place and ordering a protein and a starch and a beverage and and paying for it um, isn't changed. And I don't think that's going to go away. I don't think we're going to become a, a, a planet of home cooks. You know, restaurants are going to reopen. They might, maybe not all of them, and maybe some of them will be different. And what operators right now, many of them are doing on a daily basis is they're planning the reopening. They're planning what Whatever that, whenever that is, hopefully as early as May or June, it could be July or August, but they're planning the reopening and they're doing that in an incredibly active and feverish way. And, um, and they're doing it, you know, digitally for the most part, but, um, that their, their daily life now isn't going to the office. It isn't going to the restaurants. Um, it's, is planning this, this future reopening or planning to have a future reopening for some sadly, they won't be reopening. So I think you touched on something really important there, and, and that's this engagement that we've seen um, in terms of digital with, with operators, and that's both food service and retail food retailers. We have seen a digital explosion, literally, and I think 
you know, part of it is this need for information constantly, right? And this, um, this discussion about how to rebuild afterwards. And we see that nonstop with the restaurant business audience. You know, we had more than 1.2 million users in the month of March, which is double the traffic we usually get. And part of that was um, a boom in in social discussion, and we launched a private Facebook group for operators and food retailers. And a lot of what they're discussing is what you just articulated, which is how to rebuild, how to plan, what does the future look like, what do they need to do now to be successful when this subsides, what do they need to do now to survive in all of this. Uh, and I think there's um, opportunity to support our industry right now through through marketing and messaging. Kaylee, do you want to talk a little bit about what that might look like? How do you be a supportive marketer in, in the middle of all of this, um, where it's not just about your messaging, but about supporting an industry that really needs our help? Yeah, I think, you know, it's really an opportunity to, well, I'll say a couple of things about this. The first is that um, I think that there are many marketers sort of across segments, consumer trade what have you that are faced with the same question. And that's how do I meaningfully connect with the audiences that I serve in a way that feels authentic, in a way that feels true and real. And I think sometimes, you know, it's okay to say that you don't really know what the answer to that question is. I think it's okay to say, we're here for you. And we realize that this is an, a time of unprecedented challenge and a time of rapid change. And we love this industry. We're invested in this industry. We're invested in you. We want to partner with you. Help us understand what that looks like. You know, so maybe that's something where if you don't know exactly what your audience is going to want to hear, ask. Try to engage with your audience across owned channels, across paid channels, um, and engage with them and say, like, what is going to be helpful for you? Is it, you know, nuts and bolts information? Is it news analysis? Is it, you know, um, product information? It could be. You know, I think that the inclination now is that, um, you know, our our audience maybe doesn't want product information, but, you know, if there's uh, efficiencies that they can find, um, maybe that is a good way to sort of spotlight those things. Um, and I think, you know, I'll also say too, that although crises really necessitate a change in messaging, it doesn't necessarily change the process. You still need to start with your why, who you want to talk to, what's top of mind for them. How are they, what's, how, how does that vary between the different segments or personas that you've identified as part of your marketing process? Um, but I think it, you know, I don't want to be cheesy, but you know, there's sort of this old adage about content marketing that it's like you plant a seed and it's staying top of mind. And I think that this is true in this case, right? Like we're sort of seeing that play out in real time that maybe it's not coming out with a very, you know, a, a, with a really strong, um, you know, marketing campaign that hits all the right notes because nobody really knows what those are right now. And if they do, as Chris, as you said, those change from minute to minute. And so I think it's okay to say like, we're here for you. We're invested in this industry. We're not going anywhere and we want to help. And I think that, I think, you know, from what I've seen in terms of our audience engaging with us, that's exactly what they want to hear. So I think two really important points that you made there. And one is, you know, this idea of planting a seed. And we've seen from past crises, right, uh, the housing crash and the recession we saw in 2008, that it's really important not to go dark at those times. And in fact, Wall Street Journal just released some great stats, right, that 
B2B companies who advertise often experience as much as 256% growth in revenue four years later. So it's really important, I think, to be the brand that talks to the audience right now, but does it in a sensitive way. I think operators and food retailers really respond to what you were saying, you know, what can we do to help? How can we support? How can our products support you? And, and I think that's really imperative. I also think you made a really great point about who you're talking to and knowing who that is and knowing what message might be helpful to them. And Chris, I, I would love to hear you talk about this a little bit, because I think we have known for a long time that independent operators have different needs from uh, big chain operators and non-commercial operators have completely different needs from, from those other groups. And in fact, non-com right now, interestingly, is more active than ever, more engaged than ever. They can't wait to get back and, and serve their kids. They care so much about their students and their meal planning right now. Uh, so I, I would love to hear you talk about the different segments in our industry and how you would think about best supporting them differently. So Kaylee talked about the why, and then you just touched on the two. And in some ways, when you think about marketing and B2B, those, those are the eternal questions that always have to be asked. We're in this strange period where the when has become the most important mm -hmm. thing. And usually the when is tied somewhat, especially non-commercial, to school schedules. And, um, but normally for a lot of suppliers, the when is tied to their own product announcement cycle, major events, like the National Restaurant Association show. And so now with events gone, you know, I think the when becomes a really interesting question. And in non-commercial on the school side in particular, now, you know, Bill Anderson, who's our, our non-commercial expert, was just sharing, you know, that so many K through 12 schools are still serving uh, meals and they're doing it on scheduled pickups, et cetera. College universities have about 10% of the student population they're serving. But I kind of keep, I keep thinking about September, right? September is when schools start again. And I know everyone on the planet hopes that by September, uh, everyone from kindergartners to, to graduate students are returning to school. And that ups that that makes that those those programs start to kick in full force again. That planet is happening right now. And I think we're seeing, you know, with this sort of, there are some marketers who are saying, oh, I, I should step back now. And other marketers were saying, no, I need to talk to operators now because they're planning now. Um, they're, they're actively and feverishly planning now. I don't think it's any different with uh, commercial food service operators. I do think that independents are in a tougher spot than a lot of chains right now. And it's going to be, to me, it's it's the most interesting thing that's going to happen in the next year from now. Almost everyone has agreed for some time now that the, the, the commercial food service space is overbuilt. There's about 650,000 commercial uh, food services, uh, or we'll just call restaurants. And we've been growing them since the Great Recession at a much faster pace than we've been creating diners. We've got more places to eat than people to eat there. And there's been for some time now, well, when the next recession comes, there's going to be a shakeout. Well, this is going to be a much more dramatic shakeout than everyone expected. And what you're going to see is, I think, you know, there are, there are three types of operators that are at the most risk. There's... Um, Certain chains that have been bobbling along with 
poor underlying financial conditions for a long time, and I think we're gonna we're going to see a lot of them go under. I don't, I don't want to. I shouldn't even say a lot. We're going. Some of them are going to go under. We're going to see the same with um, independent restaurants that have been operating at a very low margin and a very little cash cushion. Some of them are going to to go as well. Um, and then there's sort of like. Even we're even going to see some franchise groups of strong concepts that aren't going to be able to survive this. So there's all the bad news, and, and there's no getting around that. Um, some of this will strengthen other parts of the industry, though. You know, I think for a while now we've been looking at these macroeconomic factors like low unemployment. Remember those days from a month ago, and, and <laughs> right. fairly strong GDP, and 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 it's been a bull market for a long time, and it wasn't translating to the sort of same store sales that. Usually those macros drive, and there's a lot of theories for that, but one of the strongest is that there's just too many restaurants, and I think some of the survivors might come out of this in time a bit stronger. You're going to see – take take like that 50-unit restaurant chain that maybe hasn't been very profitable for a long time. Why do they keep surviving? Well, they keep surviving because they've got 20 strong units. Those 20 strong units are going to be um, abandoned now. And that's the kind of lovely real estate that stronger operators are going to claim. I was talking with a technology company the other day, extremely well-funded technology company, who sees this crisis as an opportunity because they believe that many, many, many new restaurants are going to open up in the next year or so. A bunch are going to close, but those those spots are going to be – uh, built, you know, you know, filled by by new operators or new units by strong operators, and so, you know, I, I don't want to name any names on this on this uh, podcast necessarily, um, but we all know who the strong operators are, and, and the ones who had have had incredible growth and and are at least partly inhibited by future growth by finding good real estate, and so there's going. This is not going to be a case where everybody loses. There's going to be some. Everyone's going to short term lose. There are going to be some long-term winners, and those long-term winners are going to create opportunities for the suppliers and marketers who serve them. I think that's such a, a fantastic and interesting point and a, and a bright spot in the way we think about this, right? And it's there's a lot of doom and gloom right now, and it's easy to get caught up in that. But one of the other things we see in times of crisis is you know, good things happening, innovation happening. And so there's a lot of time, I think, right now and imperative to look at innovation and change and pivot what you're doing and be nimble. One of the things Jonathan Mays says to operators is be scrappy right now. You know, think outside the box, Um, think differently. And I think, you know, we can, we, that's another place where marketers can jump in and, and um, seize an opportunity there right now is, is the time for change. Crisis brings change in behavior. And and that will be true both digitally and food service industry wise and technology wise and in so many other other ways. Um, Kaylee, I, I would love to hear you talk a little bit about some of the engagement upticks we are seeing and the results that we are seeing and the things that you think we could drive at a, a time like this in terms of results. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny that Jonathan, I mean, I think Jonathan says it really well. And I think, you know, that applies to operators, this idea of being scrappy, um, but it applies to marketers too. 
Um, you know, when you're not a hundred percent sure of everything that, um, you know, you should be doing in terms of messaging, in terms of, you know, uh, medium, all of these, all of these things, that means you got to try. And if you fail, um, you know, you fail, but you got to take the learnings from that and see what's resonating with the market. And so that means really taking a look at how, what, how your messages are performing. And, you know, I mean, I think to, to some extent that is like looking at some of the traditional KPIs that we talk about a lot at Winsight, you know, clicks and impressions and things like that. But I think it can also look a little bit different in this case, right? Like, um, with operators that you are engaging with on social or across your other owned channels, what type of feedback are you getting from them? Um, is it, you know, are you getting a lot of likes and shares and things like that? Like, well, these are, you know, clues that you're sort of in the right direction, right? So I think it's important to be looking at, at those metrics in real time as much as possible so that you can pivot if needed. Um, again, because the realities of what operators are facing right now changes minute by minute. Um, so what you, from a marketing point of view, um, are doing might need to change minute by minute as well. So being scrappy and being nimble, um, has never been more important. Um, in terms of kind of some of the things that we're seeing, I look at this stuff all the time and it's clear to me that our audience is, is hungry for this type of information. You know, we're seeing webinar registrations in the thousands. This is, I mean, talk about unprecedented. Um, and these, you know, we're putting a lot of different content in front of our operators. You know, they're continuing to engage. I mean, Terry, you can probably talk a little bit more about, you know, page views and kind of what that what that looks like on our end. But this is um, this is unfolding in front of us, and there's a real opportunity um, for smart marketers to be a point of solution. Um, and to be a partner for our operators. Yeah, we are seeing insane engagement, right? And I think part of that is this need for a really trusted resource when when times are hard and restaurant business um, and food service director uh, and the retail publications as well have stepped up to be that trusted resource. And so that's why we see, you know, I mentioned earlier, 1.2 million users on restaurant business to and a half million page views in the month of March. Food service director had over a million page views and 400,000 visitors, which is 10x what they usually experience. And yeah. I, you know, I think that trusted resource is is a huge part of it. And I think they need trusted partners too, right? And and so that's where this sort of smart and sensitive marketing that you're referencing comes into play too. Um, I think it's it's more crucial than ever that they they have each other to, to trust and rely on um, and have a great source of information from the industry uh, with our editorial team. I, you referenced the webinar, but you know it was powerful to hear editors who are in the thick of it talking to the industry about what they're experiencing and what they need. And what surprised me most about that webinar was that there were hundreds of questions flowing in. And I guess it shouldn't have surprised me because uh, we see that on the Facebook group too, mm -hmm. all day, every day, questions, questions, questions. And um, the Winsight team has been trying to answer them as best we can to provide resources as best we can. We put together a state-by-state -state guide of resources for um, for operators uh, from each of their respective states. So it's been, you know, powerful to be this trusted resource for the community. Um, I mean, Chris, Kaylee, what would you want to add at, at this point? You know, we talked about the resources 
that we're trying to give and bring to the industry, um, all the different ways that we can support them, uh, both through editorial and marketing and, and what they need. But what, what else would you add, you know, in, in terms of um, how to be smart about reaching this audience right now and doing it in a sensitive way? Well, I do think it's going to be different for a vendor by vendor or manufacturer by manufacturer. You know, everyone has some, they, they know themselves better and what story they can help with. So for example, one thing we're going to see when restaurants open up again is traffic uncertainty. And it's going to be difficult for even the most data smart operators in the planet to project traffic. They're just not going to know. Uh, there's no, there's, we're, we're in, in, there's no comps to compare to. And so that's going to mean things about the sort of inventory they have on hand. And it's going to mean things maybe about the kinds of menu items they serve. You know, it might mean that, and they're also going to be in an extreme margin pressure. So it might mean that frozen, it makes a bit of a comeback, right? So maybe fresh is going to be a little harder to pull off um, for some places anyway. That's just an example. But every individual manufacturer and supplier has to ask themselves, how can I help? What message do I have? What product do I have that might be useful right now? And that's probably the biggest question they need to ask themselves first. If they have the answer to that, and we can help them get that answer because we're, we're close to what's happening, I think, um, then, we, then that gets turned into a message. And then that message, then we figure out who that message is best for. But it really starts with everyone who provides any kind of product or service to restaurant operators. What, how can I help? And then I think everything else can flow from there. Yeah. And then you know, one thing I just wanted to add is that, and Chris, you touched on this a little bit, that, you know, it's not just uncertain right now because things are changing so quickly, but that, you know, the future is is very uncertain too, right? And I think from a marketing perspective, now is a really good time to plan for what type of message you want to have out in the market when this crisis subsides, you know, whenever that is. And so maybe that looks more like business continuity content, or maybe it's around post coronavirus or, you know, recovery, like those types of things. So I think it's important to, to think about that. I mean, that's the planner in me, right? <laughs> sort of thinking about that now. Um, but I would definitely make sure, you know, you're sort of coming at things from both perspectives. So we usually wrap things up, Chris, by sharing something in the market that we love. So maybe Kaylee and I will go first and give you a chance to think mm -hmm. on it a minute. Um, but mine today is the DoorDash campaign that started running in the middle of the COVID crisis. And the campaign was encouraging takeout. And it said, you know, the tagline was, while the doors may be closed, the kitchens are open for delivery. And they said, restaurants have always been there for you. Now you can be there for them. And I thought it was just pitch perfect, mm -hmm. supportive of the industry. Uh, it landed really well with operators by all accounts from our editorial team and, and uh, operators that we've heard from. And I thought it was just a beautiful message for an industry that's really struggling right now. And I mean, it really hit home with me. Um, Kaylee, what's, what's yours today? Yeah, so mine is not related to restaurants, but it is related to food. So I don't need to be kicked off of Winsight or anything or this podcast. So uh, definitely within the scope of what we talk about here. So I uh, am an avid home. It's not also not about NASA. So, you know, you guys can be surprised. But, uh, 
I, uh, I'm an avid home cook and I have had, well, not a lot of time on my hands to cook, but because I have small kids, but more time than I normally do. Um, and one of my favorite resources is Cooks Illustrated, uh, America's Test Kitchen. Um, and I use a lot of their recipes all the time and I follow them pretty closely on social media um, because sometimes they will share recipes from their other brands that are behind paywalls that I can get for free. So I'm like very invested in that. Um, but they posted a video a couple weeks ago um, that was everybody from the America's Test Kitchen family. So they're senior editors, you know, the people that are sort of on the front lines that are like the personalities on their TV show, you know, their recipe developers, their equipment reviewers, all of these people um, had taken videos of themselves in their own kitchens. And essentially, you know, this was sort of all shot on iPhones or, you know, smartphones or kind of what have you. And the messages were strung together, but essentially it was that we're all in this together. We're home too. Let's roll up our sleeves and let's cook for our families, for our friends, for our communities. We're going to get through this. And um, it really, it, it moved me, honestly. Um, and I think like that type of human connection, you know, this is not about, uh, sign up for one of our additional brands because you have all this time on your hands or whatever. This was, Hey, we're in the same boat. We're in this together. We're going to get through it. And, you know, let's cook some comfort food to make us all feel better. It was awesome. Chris, did we give you enough time to think of one? Yeah, I think, so one thing I saw that, that we, and, and you know, as, as hard as these days have been, we've all had these movements of being moved by things, you know, mm -hmm. and, and pretty sure I've gotten choked up more in the last week or two than, than I have in many other times in my life. Absolutely. But one of the things I saw was um, people buying meals from restaurants and sending them to hospital staffs. And it was a way to help the hospital staff, help the restaurants, help the people who buy them felt like they're doing something. Now I know there's some obstacles to that and hospitals aren't necessarily allowing food in. So you have to be careful about that, but there's other ways to do that. Many of us know people who work uh, as nurses or doctors or something, and we know what they're going through in the same way that you might send a tray of ziti to someone because they've experienced a death in the family, you know, send, send that restaurant takeout order to that person, you know, who's working these, these impossible, uh, hours and, and workloads. And it's a little something you can do. It might help your favorite restaurant, um, but it also certainly is helping someone who really needs it. Those are beautiful examples. And I think we've seen so much helping amidst all of this that yeah. that's been what's getting us all through, I think, and, and something something to take with us when all of this is over. Um, thank you, Kaylee, as always. And thank you, Chris, for joining us. And with that, we will say goodbye. Thank you. Take care.